think the lyrics of that song are really strong. You can cry to the one, you can confide in the one. Um, actually, as I listened to that song, it made me think of what God intended. Let me, let me just read it for you. This is Genesis 2.24 when he had this idea of marriage. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and wants to be united to his wife and they become one flesh. You could have translated this one body. Like there's a sense of deep unity here where you have, it's not that you give up who you are. You are who you are. You're trying to find a way to blend two unique people into something that's incredible. That's what's being talked about right here. The sense of unity that you have becomes a force. Well, how do you do that? That the way you act, the way you think, the small things that you do every day in your relationship create habits that either allow that to happen in your relationship or not. Flat out. You either do stuff that builds unity or you do things that tear it down. That's the way this works. It's one of the reasons that we chose Iron Man as a theme for this whole thing. One of the reasons we did it was because Iron Man has three legs. We've talked about that. They swim, they bike, they run. Marriage has three legs. You want to build a foundation. The stool is sitting here for you to, every time you see it, you should think, love, respect, serving. Without that foundation, the relationship doesn't survive. I, I let one of these fail. The relationship fails. And that's the way it works. That's the way it works in that race. That's the way it works in marriage. But another thing is training. Um, when we ran a promo for this series when we were starting, there were two guys who were getting ready to run a 100-mile trail run. That's, a, that's not a joke. They're going to do that. They're, they're planning to go out. And every day, they do something intentional with that race in mind. Even when they rest, they're resting intentionally to try to prepare for that race. When they eat, they're eating intentionally for that race. Everything they're doing is consuming them. Why? Because it's a 100-mile race. And if you don't prepare, if you don't try hard, you're not going to get to the end of it. And I just want to tell you, marriage is an Ironman and the stuff that you have to do, you have to train yourself for because your habits will either build unity or tear it down in that relationship. It's always been the way it works. And that's why um, two weeks ago we said, listen, you should pay attention to the kind of things that you have in your relationship between you. Are you using criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling? Because if so, you will tear down the foundation of your relationship. Last week we said, listen, you should pay attention to the kind of arguments that you're having with each other. They're not identical. You can't solve them the same. And when you try, you tear down the foundation of the relationship and it fails. This is what happens. Now, what you didn't know was I intentionally chose the order of this series based on a study that I, I ran across. I was fascinated by it. Um, a group of people studying marriages and why they end up in divorce found that there were three key times in a relationship where divorce was a high possibility. And that the time that that happened at each one of those high intervals, it was the same reason. So let me help you with this. 
If you blow past the first two weeks of this series and think, now nah, I got this, I can still use criticism, no big deal, and you don't handle conflict well in your relationship, what they have found is right around the five-year mark of marriage, it's average, so it's on either side of it, the relationship fails, ends in divorce, because you can't handle conflict well. So that's why we, I thought, let's arm them, at least start getting ahead of this thing. But it's not enough. Here, this is where the survey gets really interesting to me. It's not enough to do, like, let's get the negative out. Not doing the negative is not the same as doing positive things. And what they found is if you weren't doing positive things that built up the foundation of your relationship at around year 16, the relationship would fail. Because one of the skills that I'm going to talk about today is one of those. If, the, if you didn't have it in your relationship, you could go on for a long time thinking things are great, we don't fight bad, but we don't have much and you realize that around 16. Year 25 is the third one. And it's going to be the, the topic for our fifth series. Like if you're not doing some specific things for a long period of time, you could be together 25 years and still end up with a failed relationship. Again, those are averages. They're trying to take all of that stuff into account. But there are things that we can and should do, habits we must start. Uh, I've had the privilege of having a few conversations about this series with some of the single people. I appreciate your feedback. That's really helpful for me. Um, I have consistently tried to help you understand that there is value in the stuff that we're talking about. I deeply believe that for this morning and actually the other two times that we've talked as well. The habit that we're going to talk about today should be something that you're using with your family and friends, period. And it's going to seem like such a small thing that why in the world would you bother with it? By the way, I have enough feedback to know that if you're a student here, you probably don't do this very well with your parents. And you're making a mistake because you're learning a habit that's not going to serve you well in the future. I came across a study where they were trying to really understand what led to an affair in a marriage. And you know what? The first, it's a 22-step process. It's a long process. You have, to, you have to cross a lot of things in order to get there. But the first step in the process is to violate the idea that we're going to talk about today. So it's not a small thing. It might feel like a small thing when you're practicing it with family and friends. It might feel like a small thing when you're doing that inside your relationship. It's not. The stakes are high. You get this one little thing wrong, and it could have a cascading effect. So this is an opportunity for you to build a positive habit that's helpful for all relationships. Doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you ever get married. You're going to need this in your relationships. And if you are married, it's already showing up in your relationship. Maybe you just don't know it. To help you understand exactly what I'm talking about, by the way, there's a lot of ways. They're all small, but there's a lot of ways for this to show up in your relationship. I want to give you one example to try to help explain it, and then we'll go from there. Watch this. We got a conference in August when I heard Andy Stanley say, actions speak louder than words. Probably everybody says that. And then he followed it up and said, reactions speak louder than actions. I thought that was pretty interesting. 
that a reaction reveals whether that action or the things that you say are genuine. Maybe you have a really good habit and a reaction reveals that it is a good habit. The Scriptures have a section in 1 Corinthians 13 that actually talks about this some. In verse 3, it says this, If I give all I possess to the poor, that's a pretty grand gesture. That's pretty something amazing that somebody would do. And I give over my body to hardship that I may boast. You, you wouldn't boast about this unless it was something great. And so somebody's doing something really good. But, the verse has a but. It says, but I do not have love. I gain nothing. The thing that revealed whether those actions were of any value at all was whether there was love with it or not. And that's what happens in our responses and engagement with each other. Our reactions reveal if the things that we've said, I say, honey, I love you. I say, honey, I respect you. These are things I believe I'm trying to do. These are actions I'm trying to put into place. But my reactions reveal whether that's true or not. I'm bringing this up because I am currently sitting in the place where I'm giving multiple opportunities to actually react. Uh, I have these chances on a regular basis. So this is where I come home. I told you I like to be um, in quiet. So I'll get out my computer. I've got my cell phone. I'll put some noise on in the background and I'll be focused. And my wife will start talking to me from the side of the room. And, and like it never even connects with me. And I can tell you from experience that this creates a little frustration. I would say to you, this has become kind of a perpetual problem that we have in our relationship. And both of us have experienced it in different ways. So for me, um, my wife was in an accident when we were dating. She had a pretty bad concussion. And after that, has struggled with ADD. So her situation is very different. But I will think that I have her attention. I think I'll have her full attention. And I'll tell her something she'll repeat it back to me and 90% of the time she'll repeat back the opposite of what I just said. I'm like, no, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not even close. And so I've had frustration and she's had frustration because we thought we were communicating well with each other, but our reaction didn't actually focus in and hear one another. It's as simple as this for me. Hers is more complicated, but this is all I would have to do. That's it. I would have to look at her and maybe say, honey, no, I, I don't care what we have for supper tonight, but thanks for asking. Or, hey, um, I didn't know that was happening in your life. Do you want to talk about it right now? Or, wow, that's interesting. I was unaware of that. Do you have any more information you want to share? Like, any kind of thing where I could have just engaged. That's all it takes. But because it's not a habit yet, and my other habit is really focused on this kind of stuff, despite my trying to do it, it still has frustrations for her because my reaction is to ignore her. The tool that we want to learn today, it's a, it's a simple one. It's at the top of your sheet. I want you to write this down. I want us to learn to turn toward each other. Turn toward each other. It's simple. There's um, a lot of little pieces to it. I'm going to come back in and we'll pick this up at Waypoint. If you're wanting to take notes online, you can use this QR code on the side screens. On the screen, doesn't matter. And then you could take notes on there if you wanted to. 
uh, simple little idea turned toward each other. You're just trying to find a way to make that the consistent habit in your life. And I just gave you one example of how that's going to play out. In fact, um, it's on your notes already. It's this simple. Get a bid, give attention. Get a bid. Somebody just gave you a bid for your attention, and you get to now choose whether you'll turn to that person and give them that attention or not. It's small. You don't know how small it is. I want to give you a list. I want to give you a list of the different things. Oh, boy. Okay, here we are. Five ways, five ways that you can give attention. Sometimes the bid is silent. This is the lowest possible kind of bid for attention that exists. Have you ever gotten a look? And don't assume that it's always a negative look, like I got the look and I felt horrible, like I know I'm in trouble now. No, sometimes you can give each other a look and you both know, hey, that's what I talked about. Hey, that's what I was thinking. And you start to get on a wavelength where that kind of communication works. It could be a thumbs up. It could be anything like a head nod where some sort of gesture comes your way and then you have to make a choice. Do I give my attention away for something like that or not? Because it seems so small, it can't be important. But the problem is all of these, it doesn't matter how small they are, They're a bid for our attention back, and we have to decide, are we going to give that to somebody and show them that they are valued to us? The problem with me on my couch is that my wife isn't clear that her voice is valued above all the other things that hold my attention. And so I'm trying to find a way to make sure that she knows that's the case, so every bid matters. By the way, I've been thinking about this a little bit, and I think texting each other falls into this lowest bid category, because you know that you can't text back immediately all the time, and so people just kind of put stuff out there, and if you ignore that, that's an opportunity where you miss something as well. It's, it's not high in the priority, and if you're trying to do all your communication through texting, you're probably making a very bad mistake. It's the lowest kind. It's the lowest kind of kind of communication that you could have with each other, but it still matters. So if there's silent bids, react. Then there's a comment, and uh, the comments can vary widely. It could be as simple as, hey, I don't think the spaghetti tasted as good last week as it did this week, or somebody could say, I want to quit my job. Now, if you were comparing the two, Most likely, everybody would have a conversation when they said, I want to quit my job. A lot of us would evaluate whether we would even have any response back for a comment about spaghetti. But it's still a comment into the relationship that was a bid for your attention, and you have to decide if you're going to give it or not. Uh, Is your voice more valued than the other things I'm currently doing. I know it's a silly comment, but you have my attention. Works number, um, I think, what, C. A question. Could be a question. It could be my most dreaded question that I face every day. Honey, how's your day? I, 
I have not figured out how to answer that question satisfactorily to her at this point. I believe, I think I know what it is. I think I have to have a 20-minute speech presented about how I feel about my day. I do not. I do not. So she'll go, just give me details. I'm like, I met with Nick. Oh, good. Give me details. We met in his office. Give me details. I don't know what he was wearing. I don't even care. I'm not sure what color his eyes are. I mean, what do you want? She goes, I want the content of the conversation. I'm like, I was in the moment. I forgot it the second I walked out of his office. I got nothing. I was there. How's my day? You know what? Because she's important to me, I'm still trying to figure out how to answer that question. Now, if she asked a question like, what's the goal you've set for this thing? I would probably have an easier time having a conversation about something big like that, and we could engage and we could get going. But I'm just telling you, either a low or high question, it doesn't matter. It's a bid for attention. And you either accept that you're going to give that attention away or you're not. D, could be playful. Could just be fun, joking around with each other. It's not fun when one's joking and the other one's not joking back. It's not flirty or anything like that. E, this is the worst one. It's terribly misunderstood and it's hard. Negative interaction. That's actually a bid for your attention. And a lot of people have this negative reaction and they have a negative response to that. And they're like, ooh, guess an argument's about to start. Let's get it going. Like, I'm going to win this. If you could change the category in your mind to go, they brought this up. They didn't do it in a really great way. But they brought this up because they actually think we need to talk about this. If I could figure out what they think we need to talk about, this could be helpful. We could have... I could give my attention to this. You know what's weird to me, though? Oftentimes, a negative response elicits somebody trying to escape that and get away from it. Instead of leaning in, you, you move the other direction, which violates the whole principle of this idea. When you get a bid and you give attention, what you do is you're turning to each other and you're making a habit where the first and most important thing that you do is go to each other. But when you get into a fight or an argument and it's a negative interaction and you do this, you start to create a habit where the thing that you do is you turn away from each other. Where instead of using each other as a resource, as a help, as a place where you develop unity, something else happens. Now, all of these, look at them. They're they're not big, the whole list. These are not ground-shattering ideas. But think about this for a second. I'm sitting in my chair. My wife asks me a question, and she gets ignored. Am I building the foundation of this relationship or harming it? I know for a fact she feels like she's disrespected and it's not loved. When that happens, I'm telling you over and over again, there are opportunities for you to respond to bids for attention in your life that communicate that you value that other person. And when you choose not to do it, you're tearing away at the foundation of your relationship.
It's small. It's just chip, 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 chip. But it adds up over time and it becomes destructive. In fact, here's the problem with this. Usually when it gets to the place where you're turning away from each other, this has happened. This is in um, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15. We're given instruction on how to like, live with each other. And he says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. This is about how the church is supposed to treat each other. So this is another form of relationships where we have to find a way to be kind. Almost, can you hear that song in the back of your mind? Can you be kind to the one that you love? Can you be grace-filled to the one that you love? And when you aren't, when you don't give them that attention, what springs up is a root of bitterness. When people finally separate, they do it because it doesn't matter what I say. In fact, what I've noticed in relationships that end up with, at my doorstep with these problems, they've built habits that have taken them in the other direction where eventually they even stop giving each other bids. Why would I try to get your attention? You're not going to listen to me anyway. I'll get it from somebody else. And the process of harming your unity has begun. This is, this is a small thing, but it's not a small thing. It adds up. Number two, if you want to learn to turn towards each other, there's some other things that you could do. Number two, become their clear supporter. Become their clear supporter. Life is full of stress. You know that. Some of the stress is the burden that you feel about life and wanting to do certain things a certain way and you haven't been able to do that and so you feel like inadequate and terrible and so you carry all of these stresses and what we've found, at least Tracy and I did, is we would sometimes bring this stuff into our relationships. She, just this week, she came to me and she goes, you're a little grumpy. What's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't want to talk about it, but I knew I had to. She called me out because why? Stress allows us to sometimes excuse these things, and that's what was going on. But here's the deal. I'm bringing this up because one of the ways that you can become a clear supporter to each other is this. A, help each other de-stress. Help each other de-stress. It turns out it's not that hard. The formula is simple. It's simple to understand. It's just awful. Okay, here's the formula. Listen. Take your spouse's side. Don't give advice. That's hard. That's hard when you think your gift in the world is to solve problems. And your spouse brings something up and you're like, you're, you're listening to him talking. You're like, whoa, I just saw the problem here. If you wouldn't have done that, that wouldn't have happened. Let me interrupt and help you. I'll help you figure out how you can never have this happen again in your life. Has anybody ever done that before? Because I have. I can tell you how it goes. It doesn't go well. In fact, what she said to me was, why are you taking their side? That was not my intention. My intention was to help her. But she didn't hear that 
because she's under the weight of stress. And if I can become the one that she turns to to unload that, I become a safe person in her life. I become one of the people that she looks forward to seeing because she knows I'm going to hear her out. This, this is so difficult for both of us, actually, that we actually, we look at each other before the conversation starts and we'll say, this is the kind of conversation I just want you to listen to. I don't want your advice. And we're not offended by that. We're like, whew, that's helpful because I was going to have to clarify and figure out what in the world was going to have to happen here. But now I know I'm just listening. And, and we do that for each other. And the stress stops being a part of our relationship. And we start becoming the source that unloads that and it builds unity. Help each other de-stress. Second thing you can do to become their clear supporter Be their biggest fan. You should know the stuff that's going on in their life that's important to them. You should be checking in with them, encouraging them. You should cheer. You should celebrate when it goes well. This this kind of stuff should be habit for you. Why? Because you want them to know that you know about their life and that you've got their back. And in the moments when they succeed, you're going to be the loudest, biggest cheerleader. C, make it exclusive. Make your primary person who's your clear supporter exclusive. This isn't to mean that you don't have family and friends that you go to support. But here's the boundary. You don't go to somebody of the opposite sex for your support ever, period. You give them that primary place in your life. In fact, I I had a conversation with a couple afterwards and uh, he's a young single guy. He's got some married couple friends and he said, they're now coming to me and confiding in me but they won't talk to each other. Yeah, I, I get it. Like it's hard to turn to each other and have that conversation but you've created habits where that started now and now they're not exclusive. And this becomes really dangerous because in many cases, the person who will give you an ear, who will listen, who will encourage is somebody of the opposite sex. And it opens up a door for tragic happenings. So you've got to decide, I'm going to be their clear supporter. I've got to show up all the time. I've got to be heard and seen in their life so that you can allow that to happen. Come their clear supporter. Allow them to turn towards you on a regular basis to get renewed and refreshed from stress, from being their fan, being exclusive. Number three, you can write this one down. Give and receive repair attempts. This one is simple too. It's done in tons of different ways. Let me, uh, let me read this verse for you from Proverbs chapter 15. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Please notice that the gentle word does not end the argument. All it does is it prevents anger from getting into the argument, which we learned week one will kill your ability to solve a problem. 
This little technique that we're talking about right here, um, the give and receive repair attempts, is a small thing that you're trying to do in the middle of discussions that you're having that take the energy out of the argument. It's so that it doesn't build up to a place where it's, uh, you can't solve it. There's so much emotion, so much anger, so much tension in the relationship. It's not solved. And now it's, it's kind of dangling in your relationship in the background. You try to find a way to take some energy out of it. There are tons of ways to do this. I, there's actually a sheet out on the checkout counter, the check-in counter that you came in on. Um, the Gottman's Institute has studied marriage for a long time. They have this long list of simple little things that you can do. And they don't mind sharing it. They just want couples to do better. They want to help them. So if you want to grab that sheet and look it over, you can use that. But these are simple little things. They're gestures, they're comments, they're statements that you make. One of the things that we have found is when we're having a discussion, we'll sometime hold hands. Because our relationship is not in jeopardy, we're just having a discussion about this one thing that we don't like right now. And so we'll, um, we'll put a hand on each other's shoulder. We'll find ways to de-escalate. It's, uh, my wife just in the last few months started something new I haven't seen before. I want to laugh when it's happening, but I know she will not think it's funny. So I have not laughed. Um, but when she's upset about something, that chair that you saw in that picture, she will stand right in front of that with her arms crossed and talk with me. I believe she's doing it because she wants my full attention and she believes this way she has my full attention. Um, I think it's cute. And I've decided that when I see it, I'm going to try to find a way to de-escalate. Because I could ramp it up. I could ramp it up when she's standing over me like this. I could get it going. But I've decided I'm going to kind of take it down. And we've actually resolved some things fairly quickly with this posture. I don't know. Maybe it's going to work for us for the rest of our lives. It's new. But it's because I'm like, hey, let's just, I'm going to take this down a notch. We actually invented a phrase that we use when fights get hard. Uh, maybe I've shared this before. Uh, it's okay if I, it, it's still working for us. You don't have to use this one, invent your own, I don't care. But if we're in a heated argument, like we, we tried to pull the air out and it didn't, like the energy just kept building and now it's pretty intense and we're not sure that we can get through it. One of us will say, one of us will recognize that this is a problem and will say, hey, we're better together. And almost immediately, every time, the other person says, we are better together. It's a statement that we've agreed on to say, hey, this moment that we're having this conversation is going to cause us a problem. It's not bigger than our relationship. When we're together and we're unified, it's good. So let's remember that. Can we find a way to calm this and get to a resolution? Can we have a solvable problem? If, a, if it's a perpetual problem, can we find a way not to at least fight about it? Can we get past the gridlock here? And we've started finding ways to move past this stuff faster than we ever have. In fact, I would tell you this. It's a small little thing, giving and receiving. By the, by the way, it's not just that you give. If my wife would say to me, we're better together, 
And I would reject that and say, no, we're not. I want to talk about this because I'm angry. How do you think she feels in that moment? You give and you receive these. So when somebody gives it to you, you allow it to be the thing that takes some of the energy out. And what we have discovered by doing this, over the years, um, we have found that our fights have lessened in intensity. Like they're not, they're not like the brawls that we used to have when we were younger. They were bad. And they don't last very long. Because we're putting stuff in place where we've built a habit where we're going to turn towards each other. I know it's hard right now, but I'm going to turn towards you. You're going to turn towards me. And we're going to find our way through this. And because we have that habit, our sense of unity becomes most important in our lives. And so we repair faster than we've ever repaired small things. Practice habit over and over. Showing up to make a difference. That's the way this stuff works. So let me ask a question. If you looked at those three on the list, which one of those do you think, I think I could start doing this one better? I think I could start responding to the comments better. I think I could make sure that my spouse knows that they are high priority. So when I hear their voice, I'm going to respond to them. Could, could it be a different one that you look at and go, I'm going to find a way to figure out how to give and repair, like give and receive repair attempts in this relationship. So when things get hot, we can calm it down and maybe we can come to a resolution. Whatever it is, you're going to have to start finding a way to practice, to train, to do intentional stuff every day to see your relationship built. This honestly works with all relationships. It really does. I'm convinced this works with God. You're about to sing a song about God's goodness. But if you start turning away from God because you don't think he is good, then your life will start to be shaped by that sense of bitterness that God didn't come through, didn't do, didn't say, didn't act in a way that you wanted at the right period in time. And you won't be able to see that goodness. But if you would turn towards him, you would experience that. The same is true for your relationships, including your marriage. If you're willing to develop a habit of turning towards each other, you will strengthen the foundation so that your marriage can go the distance. Will you stay in worship with us?